Hello, my name is Giovanni and this is Social Medicine, my weekly therapy session wherein we delve deep into the issues that are on my mind. Today I want to introduce to you all a new subseries of Social Medicine, tentatively called Social Medicine Debates. Last season I introduced a subseries dedicated for film discussions, and this season I wanted to try something new. Essentially, I'll be going over a hotly contested topic of debate and discussing uh, many of the main arguments for and against the given issue. Um, for this introductory episode, I thought it'd be fun to have an episode dedica- dedicated to exploring all sides of the tipping debate. Should we tip? Why or why not? If so, how much? What factors should we have in mind when deciding this? I want to look for answers for all these questions and more in this episode. It's an ongoing debate and one that is important for the sake of people's livelihoods. So while I do look at this episode as, you know, fun, I merely mean to say that in its debate-like format, which I look forward to continuing down the line and not in the topic we are discussing. This will be different from other episodes where I dedicate a section to my personal experiences and stories at the beginning um, of the episode after the introduction, as I will say save my stance on the matter at the end of the show. I will fully disclose up front, however, that I have not had any experience, uh, personal experience working as a server, mainly by choice. It hasn't been hard for me to find jobs that pay their employees well above the minimum wage, but that is my experience. I obviously don't expect it to be the same for everyone. And other disclosure, uh, this debate will focus on tips for servers in the restaurant industry, as I feel that this is where a lot of the arguments have originated from. I've dedicated two sections of this episode to give some background to the debate at hand before I go into the actual arguments made regarding tips. As a prospective social studies teacher, I would be remiss to not go over some of the history of this debate, and for that, I think it would be helpful to understand where tipping itself originated. The accepted practice uh, of tipping, or sorry, the accepted history of tipping dates back to 18th century Britain, when you would have noblemen racing on their horses through the countryside, they would stop off at a public house, and uh, either to quench their thirst or to water their horse, and they would have cards with them. And the cards would have waxed with candle wax on them, a a half pence or a farthing, and they'd walk into the public house and they'd give it to the publican or the barkeep, and it would have written on the card to ensure promptitude. And this was their way of asking to be served in an appropriate fashion, and hence tipping was formed. Fast forward 200 or so years to the present day, and tipping is no longer really practiced in Europe as we know it but it's rooted in our culture in North America. It's, it's part of our economic restaurant model and it's part of our culture as a society. What I'd like to do as well is introduce this aspect of, of social norm, which is what tipping has become, in fact, in our society. And a social norm is something that is <coughs> accepted in our society. It's something that's expected, a behavior that is expected of us. And, and for the case of, of restaurants, it's when we go in a restaurant, we're expected to leave a tip. And if we don't, we may feel guilty about that. We may feel like we're a cheapskate. We may feel like we're ripping off the server. On top of that, you got to hear from Bruce McAdams, someone who has been a part of the restaurant industry since graduating from the University of Guelph's School of Hotel and Food Administration in 1989, about this idea of tipping as a social norm. Tipping is as ingrained in our brains as shaking hands when meeting someone or saying bless you after someone sneezes. It's seen as common courtesy, as proper etiquette, even resulting in couples going to talk shows to ask famous people who are so out of touch with how society works for relationship advice, such as this couple who decided to ask Steve Steve Harvey, of all people, and a panel of Harvey's guests about their different tipping philosophies and what that means for their relationship. My boyfriend and I are both starting off in our careers, but when we go to dinner, he doesn't always tip. That can kind of ruin date night. You know, we bicker, we fight about it. Um, I used to be a server, so I know the importance of tip, and sometimes they just depend on that. So should I be concerned of him being this cheap? How can I make him a better tipper? 
Mind you, this is the guy that they are asking for advice. Does he have a relationship with God? You sitting up here talking to a dude and he tells you he's an atheist, you need to pack it up and go home. You know, <laughs> talking to a person don't believe in God, you finna, you finna, what's his moral barometer? Where is it at? It's nowhere. I mean, speaking of God, you say in the book that uh, you wouldn't go out with a woman, I guess a woman should not go out with a man who doesn't believe in God. No, I mean, why would well, you? Well, do you believe that only people who are religious are ethical and moral? No, I just believe if you don't believe in God, then where's your moral barometer? That's just me talking. I you understand can believe what you, you want to believe, yeah. but if, if you're an atheist, you're basing your goodness and morality on what? I mean, but what is an atheist? I don't, I don't really get into that. You know, when I've talked to people all the time. I'm an atheist. I just walk away. I don't, I don't know what to say to you. you know, well, an atheist is someone who doesn't quite believe in, that there is somebody out there, some God out there. Well, then to me, you're an idiot. Okay, well... So I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm just not, probably fine. not the right politically correct thing no, no, to no. say. But if you don't believe in God, I mean, really, you've got to have an explanation for this. You just can't tell me this spun out of a gastrous ball. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, then we were evolved from monkeys. Why we still got monkeys? It's too much open here. I just believe that. And if you don't believe that, then I don't like talking to you. I say... So probably not the best person to go to for advice on resolving inner relational problems that stem from a difference in philosophical perspective. Um, but back to the subject, tipping is such a big part of our culture that there is actually a difference in the minimum wage of tipped and non-tipped workers. In 1996, the then head of the National Restaurant Association, Herman Cain, convinced a Republican-led Congress to set a two-tiered wage system for tipped and non-tipped workers. The tipped minimum wage was set at $2.13 per hour. Today, in 17 states, the legal minimum wage for tipped workers still only $2.13 per hour. Furthermore, the U.S. Department of Labor defines the tipped worker as someone who, quote, engages in an occupation in which he or she customarily and regularly receives more than $30 per month in tips. It continues, quote, an employer of a tipped employee is only required to pay $2.13 per hour in direct wages if that amount combined with the tips received at least equals the federal minimum wage. If the employee's tips combined with the employer's direct wages of at least $2.13 per hour do not equal the federal minimum wage, the employer must make up the difference. End quote. This is obviously the federal minimum wage for tipped employees, which sets the minimum wage for all states to follow, but allows individual states' legislatures to set a higher minimum wage than that. And just as is true of the non-tipped minimum wage, the tipped minimum wage varies widely uh, on a state-by-state -state basis. Currently, Alabama, Georgia, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Nebraska, New Mexico, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Virginia, Wyoming, and Puerto Rico have their minimum wage for tipped workers set at the federal rate of $2.13, with Arkansas, Delaware, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wisconsin having higher minimum wages than the federal requirement, but that still remain in that $2 range. I've seen a lot of entitlement coming from both sides of the service industry, from servers and customers alike. Customer entitlement is commonplace, so much so that it has become a cliche for a certain type of customer to come in to complain or demand something. It's a real epidemic but what of the entitled servers that type of entitlement is less obvious which is where social media comes in where social media is often seen as a space for the propagation of customer freakout videos that often result in that person getting fired or shunned by the internet it also allows for said servers to use it as an open platform to voice their opinions and entitlement a lot of servers feel like they are owed a tip this is uniquely a North American deal as it is pretty much agreed upon everywhere else in the world that tips should only be given to workers for exceptional service if at all 
It could either be because servers are actually paid well there or because that is just the norm there. But in America, norms are decided by the rich and powerful. And the rich and powerful here have decided that the best way to have the masses infighting is by having one group at odds with the other over the issue of proper minimum wages. Now, I know that I am mostly talk tackling this from the perspective of a lower middle class individual, but what about people who are well off and buy an exorbitant amount of food only to leave like, you know, a couple bucks in tip or no tips at all? 25-year-old Tamlin Yoder is still in disbelief that she lost her job over a takeout order. I'm mad, yes, because I am a hard worker, a dedicated worker. I've been doing the service industry for 10 years. It's what I love to do. A local church ordered $735 worth of food that she had to prepare. 25 steaks, 25 potatoes, 25 chickens. When people from the church came to pick up the food, Tamlin loaded all the entrees into the car. Then church members left her high and dry with no tip. I was super mad. I was angry, you know, because that's such a large order and we have to take so much out of our time. It took almost an hour to put everything together. So she went on social media expressing her frustration on Facebook. The church quickly became aware of the situation and called the restaurant to make things right. The next day when Tamlin showed up for work, she got a pink slip. In disbelief, Tamlin's mother posted on social media the chain of events and the story has reached all corners of the country. And now, Tamlin hopes people realize that for so many people, every penny counts. As takeout, we still make server minimum wage. We are making $5 an hour and that's not even two gallons of gas. So other servers are not left with no gratuity. I want them to understand what it's like as a server or in this industry because we do work hard. Now, is it entitlement for that woman to complain about not being rewarded for her hard work and expediency when preparing a $700 order? Some would say it is common courtesy for such a large order to give a generous tip. But what about the cooks and the chefs who actually have to prepare the food? A lot of time and care is being put into ensuring your order comes out great. But on the flip side, some people would argue that whether an order comes out to be $700 or $7, one should work hard regardless in getting that order ready and serving it to the customers. It is their job, after all. I think this is as good a time as any to move on to the actual arguments that people make for and against tipping. Arguments for tipping center on the idea that tipping servers is a cultural norm, one that is built on our generosity. The argument is that servers, although they chose to work that job, did not choose to be a part of a system that essentially legalized a lesser form of slave wages for a subset of members of the largest economic sector. Servers know and understand what their job is, to provide the customer with great service to ensure their future patronage that in turn benefits both the restaurant and the server. And most of the servers you see do their darn to do just that. They're positive and proactive in ensuring their customer satisfaction. Tipping and tipping the standard of 20% is the least a person can do for someone they know is getting shafted by a ridiculous federal law. It's really an argument targeting customers' morality. If they get great service and their server does everything right, why wouldn't they tip? The argument that they are doing their job doesn't necessarily hold up when servers go above and beyond to ensure great service. It's a situation not com comparable to jobs in other economic sectors or even jobs within the tertiary sector. For one, the main factor of separating this from other sectors is the service aspect. Servers are on the front line, if you will, of the service industry and the economy as a whole and have to interact face-to-face -face with the customers uh, with the res which the restaurant relies so heavily on to stay alive. Even when compared to other service jobs, even within the restaurant industry, uh, industry servers just have to work off a risk-reward system that is wholly dependent on their customer's generosity independent of their quality of service, which is subjective. There's no such thing as an objectively good service. It's all relative. Chefs and cooks 
guests who have as important a, a role in the success of the restaurant, if not more, simply do not have to deal with customers directly as servers do. To further their war metaphor, think of servers as the infantrymen on the ground fighting against the enemy, and the chefs as those working in intelligence or engineering. Tipping is a literal way for us to thank people for their service. Well, not everyone can tip. Well, if you're able to go out and dine in a restaurant with service, then you are financially able to leave a tip. Another argument is that tipping is a thankless job. Just look at the minimum wage. And tipping is the only way to thank our servers. People who were or currently are servers have horror stories upon horror stories about horrible customers to tell. Whether it's the entitled customers or the ones who violently lash out at the employees for the slightest inconvenience, it is almost a guarantee that anyone working as a server will have to experience these ordeals. And it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that they experience them regularly. The capitalistic notion that the customer is always right, aside from explicitly placing a greater value on money over people, also implicitly tells the workers that their employers aren't on their side, which again should be obvious by the lobbying efforts of the National Restaurant Association and individual restaurant owners' adherence to an erroneous tipped worker minimum wage. Another argument against tipping could be that the law requires employers pay the difference if servers do not manage to raise the 725 minimum wage through tips, so tipping would be pointless since they are getting the paid minimum wage that non-tipped workers are. Well, it's not that simple. As written by the Economic Policy Institute, quote, it is true that the law requires restaurants to ensure that tipped workers receive at least the regular minimum wage when their tips are included, but the reality is that huge numbers of restaurants, helped by two-week enforcement efforts, ignore these requirements. In investigations of over 9,000 restaurants, the U.S. Department of Labor found that 84% of investigated restaurants were in violation of wage and hour laws, including nearly 1,200 violations of the requirement to bring tipped workers' wages up to the minimum wage. Among the restaurants that were investigated, tipped workers were cheated out of nearly $5.5 million. Workers in the food and drink service industries are more likely, likely to suffer minimum wage violation than workers in other industries. It's like that meme, right? You can't murder someone that's illegal. Some people, particularly those with greater adherence and reverence to the law, think that the existence of laws in of itself will result in a better society free of crime. I've tried my best to provide you with some of the arguments for tipping, and as you can see, it is mostly seen as a moral issue, birthed by its status as a norm in America, coupled with the immoral political practices of capitalistic lobbyists and politicians more interested in representing the interests of big companies as opposed to those of the people those people who elected them, whom they are supposed to represent. But of course, even politicians adhere to the mantra of the customer is always right. Whoever has more money will always win. Now, arguments against tipping center on the idea that tipping servers is a cultural norm, one pushed by lobbyists and restaurateurs to cut costs and put the responsibility of actually paying their workers on the customers paying money to eat at their establishment. Tipping, which originated as a form of bribery for better service, is pretty much still that. It is up to the customer to bribe the server into providing them with proper service, which creates an envi environment conducive to discrimination, mainly due to perceived economic status, which turns to discrimination based on race, gender, etc. Now, I'm going to play a clip from Bruce McAdams' TED Talk that I re uh, referenced earlier. Uh, it's a little long, it's about three minutes, but it goes over this as well as the notion of tipping based on amount spent, uh, making no economic sense. The <clears throat> other determinant of uh, tipping behavior, the other key driver, is the fact that we tip on the amount of the check. Okay, we tip on the amount of the check. And I'm gonna argue by telling a story that this makes absolutely no economic sense. <clears throat> my story is a futuristic one because tonight I'm gonna go out with my wife for dinner. We're celebrating a special occasion. And uh, I'm a bit of a wine guy, so I'm gonna buy a $100 bottle of wine and I'm gonna splurge. I'm gonna go all out and treat ourselves to a bottle of wine. And the server is gonna come over and the server's gonna open that wine 
pour the wine, refill it when need be. And being the 15 percenter that I am, I'm going to leave the server $15 based on the value that they have added to my meal by opening the bottle of wine and serving it to me. Let's pretend there's another couple beside us. And they're not celebrating. They're just out for a regular dinner. And they buy a $50 bottle of wine. Well, you know what? They're going to get the exact same service from that server. There's going to be the presentation of the label, the opening of the wine. There's going to be the refilling. It's going to be the exact same value added as my $100 bottle of wine. Guess what? They're 15 percenters too. So what's the tip they're going to leave on a $50 bottle of wine? $7.50. So here's the first question I really want you to ask yourself. <clears throat> server has created the same amount of value in this dining equation. I've just spent more money and I'm tipping twice as much as the people beside me. Not only do I have to question myself as a consumer whether that makes economic sense, I have to question the restaurateur. You're going to charge people more service charge when they, set, they spend more money in your restaurant for the same service? I don't think that works. <coughs> Tipping does something else. And, and this has been researched to death, especially in the United States. And this may come at first of a bit of surprise to you, but I think you'll, you'll understand it as I, I go further along. Uh, tipping promotes discrimination. Tipping promotes discrimination. Studies have shown that different races, different ethnic backgrounds, cultures tip differently. And guess who knows this? Servers. Servers know this, they know through experience. They also know that men tip better than women. Sorry, ladies. They know that small parties of one or two tip better than large parties. That's why when we go to restaurants in groups of eight or 10, they always slap on that automatic service chart. <clears throat> they also know that business people tip better than families. Research shows that servers go to the table in many cases with already a predetermined value of what time, kind of tip they're going to get from the guests. And they will adjust their service accordingly and focus on the people that they think will get the biggest tip. The points that Bruce McAdams makes are valid critiques against the concept of tipping. To the first point, some may say, oh well, whoever's spending more is buying more food, which requires the server to work more in getting the food out to the customers and whatnot. But as we heard in the clip, that isn't always the case. A bottle of wine is a bottle of wine. It doesn't require more work out of the server to bring it out uh, the more expensive it gets, so why should they automatically get tipped more as the amount spent on dinner increases? It only serves to signal to servers that who they should provide better service to. Continuing on with McAdams' example, a server will will be more inclined to provide better service, check up more on the couple who bought the more expensive bottle, fully expecting to receive better tips, not just based on the percentage of the total spent, but also on the gratuity turned on by the better service that they provided. Although McAdams mainly touches on discrimination on the part of the server, it's also important to note that tipping is an act ripe for discrimination by the guests. If a customer with a particular prejudice against certain groups of people is served by a member of that group, it is not unreasonable to expect that customer to tip that server less, whether consciously or subconsciously. On top of that, female servers might feel inclined to suffer inappropriate behavior from their customers in order to secure that tip, propagating a culture of harassment. Anecdotes from waitresses about this very ordeal can be found in a New York Times article titled The Tipping Equation by Katrin Einhorn and Rachel Abrams. I'll read a couple anecdotes included in the article. There was a young server at a burger joint in Georgia, Emily Hurd, whose customer held her tip in his hand and said, so you're going to give me your number? She wrote it down but changed one of the digits. There was a waitress in Portland, Oregon, Whitney 
Edmonds, who swallowed her anger when a man patted his lap and beckoned her to sit, saying, I'm a great tipper. And at a steakhouse in Gonzales, Louisiana, Jamie Britton stammered and walked away when a couple on a group of men offered a $30 tip if she answered a question about her pubic hair. She returned and provided a, quote, snappy answer that earned her the tip, but acknowledges having mixed feelings about the episode. This power dynamic is at the heart of the anti-tipping argument. Okay, I have presented some of the major arguments for and against tipping, um, and I have to acknowledge that I obviously have a bias when, when, when writing this, which I will go over now, but I just want to make sure that people understand that I'm not trying to present a 100% neutral stance. I'm just, I'm going to present both arguments from both sides of the debate in as fair a way as I can, but I obviously are going to have a bias, and you might have you might have gotten from how I presented each argument, which one I personally lean to- more towards, um, which is okay because at the end of the day, I'm not, again, I'm not a professional moderator. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm obviously going to lean more towards a, uh, one argument or the other, but, you know, I, I, I could hope to at least uh, present the other argument in a fair manner and also, you know, get myself as well as the listeners, you, to kind of think about both arguments. But I'm going to be presenting mine, um, my opinion. I'll keep it brief, but it centers on the freedom of choice. We as Americans are free to choose what we do in our lives and must expect any subsequent consequences to our choices. I talked about this before, so I won't go into it again. But we as customers should be free to choose how much we want to tip whether, without the overbearance of social norms weighing down on our decisions. Those of us of working age have the freedom to choose where we would like to work, barring availability and opportunity. But ultimately, we aren't forced to work somewhere, generally speaking. So while I do think that the federal minimum wage for tipped and non-tipped workers should be raised, and considering how gross it is for employers to rely on customers paying their employees a reasonable living wage, if even that, the employee made the ultimate choice to work as a server, knowing full well where the majority of their income is expected to come from. The tertiary economic sector sector is where most of our jobs are. 80% of workers are described as being in services providing excluding special industries by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. So of course they are important, and for them to be treated like this, to be forced to rely on the optional generosity of customers to make a living wage, that's terrible. But again, being mad at customers who are more likely than not, depending on where you work, are in the same financial boat as you because they can't tip you any more than $5 is ridiculous. As is true in many other instances, this is the rich forcing the poor to fight with the poor. We see this in all aspects of our lives, and even right now during this pandemic, we are witnessing it firsthand with people mad at those receiving unemployment benefits. Don't be mad at other people who are suffering. Be mad at whoever is making you all suffer. I personally base how much I tip on the quality of service and how much I am willing to give at the time. Plain and simple. The idea that we should tip a certain percentage based on how much we purchased is silly to me because it's not like the servers paid for the ingredients and it's not like the servers are the ones preparing the meal I have agreed with the restaurant and valuing at the listed cost. If I have to pay you more to not spit in my food or to convince you to do your job, then you are in the wrong business. You're a bad person who should not be working in the service industry. But if you're someone who naturally works hard, does the job they agreed to do and make their customers feel welcome and serviced at an adequate rate, then you deserve a generous tip. But just because you deserve something, it doesn't mean you should expect to get it. And just because you don't get it, it doesn't mean that that gives you free reign to be a piece of shit to certain guests that come in for a meal. If you take to Twitter and bitch about people not giving you the money you think you deserve, all it does is show the world that you probably have a higher sense of worth than what you really are worth as a server, and that you are choosing to direct your anger at the wrong people. The tipping debate, as is true of all debates regarding the ethics and practicality of social norms, does not seem to have an end in sight either way. But unlike a lot of these debates,
debates, there does seem to be a clear winner and loser in this one, albeit largely dependent on the perspective and context of each individual involved. When looking specifically at the subjects of the debate, the servers, one cannot apply a universal label of winner or loser to everyone who falls under this category. For one, each individual server will have their own personal opinion on this debate and will shift between seeing themselves as a winner or loser depending on financial performance uh, on a given day. Additionally, the success of a server is dependent on social and environmental factors, such as the restaurant itself and the location of it and the type and amount of customers it attracts. That is to say that servers working in higher-end restaurants can expect to earn substantially more than minimum wage and substantially more than their uh, co-workers who are you know, behind the kitchen. While servers in less well-off areas or what are considered as lower-class restaurants are suffering more because of this tipped worker minimum wage. So I hope that listening to this helped you see the merit in both perspectives because I, I do think that both sides, there's, there's good in both sides and we should listen to what each person has to say. Um, even if I, you know, tend to lean towards the other, that's just, you know, that's just human. And I hope, you know, got you thinking more about this debate and your position on it. I always look to question everything. So I hope that I got you to question yours and others ideals as at least for a bit. Anyway, that's going to be it for me this week. Thank you all for doing. Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show and appreciate the time and effort I put into researching, writing, recording and editing it, please consider supporting me on Patreon.com or on Patreon at Patreon.com slash social medicine. There's only one tier of a dollar a month and that's for anyone who enjoys the show and wants to help build it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have suggestions for topics I should cover under this debate sub-series, please reach out to me. I do this for you all as much as I do it for myself. Please have a beautiful rest of your day. Stay safe and stay sane. Goodbye.